You're listening to the Radio DePaul Sports Talking Possessed podcast. My name is Gina Scioli, and I'm joined by Nick Canzanieri, Rudy Hodgson, and Abbas Dahodwala. Before we start talking about the game itself, um, on Saturday night, the DePaul men's team hosted Georgetown. Um, they pulled out a win, but no one is really talking about that anymore. Um, that night, DePaul decided to organize, um, if you want to say organize, a Lunar New Year um, celebration, which I say loosely as well. Um, they kind of advertised it as Chinese New, Le- New Year, which um, discounts all of the other Asian communities and um, cultures that celebrate Lunar New Year. Um, it was also a month late. Lunar New Year happens in January. Um, so I don't know what the thought process of this whole thing was. Um, it came across as not really celebrating a culture, just kind of using it as a almost a like a like, hey, we have a free shirt for the we New have Year. a free you shirt. Should come to the game this this time. Right. And I believe on the shirt it was Mandarin and it said Happy New Year on it. Um, which again doesn't take into account all the other cultures that celebrate the holiday, um, and then all of the other like little things that they did during the game um, just were not very tasteful. Um, the MC was wearing um, basically like a traditional um, gown. It wasn't a gown because it was kind of like a it, like a rendition of this traditional. Um, wear that you like you wear to a wedding or something like that something a lot more formal um, and they kind of just downplayed it to just a costume essentially for her to wear um, she had a bun and was had chopsticks in her bun um, which is just like almost a caricature um, it's just not not a good look and then beyond that like hosting games where Asian students have to use chopsticks to get, you know, from one thing into another glass. I don't know who thought of that game. It just felt really weird, like, to sit there and, and for them to be in the Jumbotron and to, like, I don't know. Nobody makes people, nobody makes white people use, like, forks to get, like, candy into another thing. Um, and then their prizes were, like, fake jade dragons they had a large jade uh buddha statue that they were passing around for the student section to get good luck um it just was not put together very well um and then afterwards um a lot of students from the asian community here at depaul were commenting on um an instagram post from dibs of all people um you know calling them out on what they did and and how they didn't appreciate it. And then DePaul proceeded to delete all of their comments. And so there was a meeting last night Mm -hmm. called by APITA, right? Yes. And you were there. So Mm -hmm. what was the mood at this meeting? What were people saying? And like, what is their like, I guess, what kind of action are they planning on taking? So unfortunately, I had to leave early. Um, So I I wasn't there for the larger chunk of where do we go from here. Um, But when I, so I'm friends with Toykan Lee, who um, basically started APITA. and with other students and um, they called this meeting and it was open to everybody um, 
to come in and discuss, you know, what what was wrong and because it's so layered with like the game itself and then their reaction and then DePaul's response or lack thereof. Um, and so when when we started talking about it, I think everyone was very um, angry uh, for obvious reasons and frustrated, I think was the main emotion that was felt. Um, and we were talking about like what is what where is the like line between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation because that's what the MC was claiming that they were doing um, certainly didn't feel that way or come across that way um, and so we were we like watched a video on like myths about cultural appropriation and then at that point I had to go but um, yeah I mean they they called this meeting very quickly they sent out the flyer on Tuesday and the meeting was last night and there was um, a pretty good number of people there um, okay. yeah yeah and like I personally I feel like where is that line mm-hmm. because like I mean I you know I went to a public school uh, I'm Indian I'm Muslim and like when you'd see like I mean, you see people wearing like classically Indian shawars and everything mm-hmm. and they're not Indian mm-hmm. and they're like trying to dance and you're like this just mm-hmm. nah nah yeah no, and no 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 and this like we were talking about how like when you want to appreciate another's culture there should be an exchange so mm-hmm. like their example was like if you're invited to like an Indian wedding wearing like a sari and like henna is like fine because you're invited to this like really um, great celebration and like you want to um, respect the tradition that they have for these big celebrations that they have and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, wearing, um, I don't know, I think like selling merchandise for something with another language on it for the sake of a profit and not like appreciating the culture, respecting it is where it gets really problematic. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... It also doesn't surprise me at all, mm-hmm. and it's just sad that I'm saying this. It doesn't surprise me at all that DePaul would do something like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen the last few weeks that I mean, the report on like diversity here. Mm-hmm. The professors are not diverse. The students are not diverse. Like, if you compare like the the student population here to the population of Chicago, it's so wrong. Mm-hmm. It's so wrong. It doesn't match up at all. So, like, when when they do something like this, that as a marketing ploy, you expect people to do the research mm-hmm. and to actually do it properly. And from what I heard from someone who was there, uh, they didn't fact, fact check it properly. Like they only mm-hmm. checked with the Chinese student organization mm-hmm. and the Chinese studies program mm-hmm. for like if what they were doing was fine. Right. Or like to partner with them. But like there's so many other people. Yeah. Like you said, there's so many other people <laughs> who celebrate and you can't just talk to one group Mm-hmm. one section of people and not right. talk to other people and at least get a more broad opinion if right. you yourself are not because I mean if, if you yourself are not of that culture you can't do something like this without an outside voice mm-hmm. somebody who's actually familiar with this you right. can't do that plus the MC said I got comments on you know I got comments from Chinese students in the in the crowd that liked what I was wearing or liked what we were doing but like they're not speaking for the whole Exactly. Community, so like that is not that doesn't cancel out what 
you did. Um, and I think like in the last two and a half years that I've been here, we always talk about how poor the athletics department is just in terms of like athletic performance of what we see a lot, especially from men's basketball, which is like the main program that draws people in. Um, and now it's like, this is just another aspect and layer of how poor the athletics department runs things um, and how they don't really think about what they're doing. Exactly. And they, that just seems to be the issue all the time. But moving on. The game itself. To the basketball aspect. One yeah. of the most boring games yeah. that we've watched all year. They won. <laughs> But let's keep the disclaimer there that this is a Georgetown team that came into the year with James Akinjo, with Mac McClung, had their scandals. A couple of guys transferred. They lost recruits. Yurt Seven only played 25 minutes because of foul trouble. He's injured. He's not going to play. Mm-hmm. McClung didn't play. So, like, yeah, you you won 74-68. You got your first win in more than a month since mm-hmm. that game against Butler. But, like... There's nothing to there's nothing to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, the first half was horrible. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just gonna say, doesn't Georgetown have like what seven scholarship players now? Yeah. maybe even less because mm-hmm. everyone with the injuries and everyone leaving like this. This is you know, for DePaul, I guess it should be something to celebrate because they haven't won in over a month. But honestly, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? And they lost <laughs> to the same team in yeah. a game where your seven got hurt. Before the half, didn't play the entire second half, and DePaul let up a big lead and let them come back and win. Like you said, with it was no Mac McClung that night either. He hasn't played in in, in, yeah. in a month about, and they still lost that game. So there's like nothing to really write home about if you want to say about this win, <laughs> except for the fact that Romeo Weems is playing well. He's finally showing some offensive skill, which is a nice change from what we saw earlier this year when he looked kind of lost. That's what I was going to say. The Big East tournament. Um, I thought I might have the unpopular opinion. I thought it was a good team win. Um, I mean, yeah, Georgetown was depleted and DePaul did not look good down the stretch. But this could be something that we could use as a momentum shift towards the end of the season to kind of at least have some sort of respectable uh, finish to the Big East play. And we talked about it in our post game show. This is kind of one of those times where Lado can have a little more flexibility in playing his role players, letting guys that are probably on the bubble of transferring kind of get minutes so that you can keep them um, because our recruiting classes for the next couple of years are going to be good and if we can build and establish our young guys and kind of bait them into staying a little bit longer and just you know I don't want to say trust the process but that's kind of the term that I should use <laughs> but um, I just think that DePaul at this point just kind of needs to accept that they're not going to make a run for anything they're probably just going to have to pay to go to the CBI again if they even want to p- have postseason. But, I don't know, down the stretch, use it as a momentum swing. Have fun with it. Let your let your little guys play. Just don't let Pantelis on the court. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Kent, do you have something to say? <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, it's all about next year. And, I mean, my goodness, let's pay to get in the CBI again when, you know, we were at one point saying this is, uh, you know, a 11 seed or something. They're going to make a run for it. And here we are. February 28th, you know, and, and it, all hope is gone. I mean, I just can't believe how quickly things have have, have turned here. But, you know, whatever. And, you know, back to not letting Pantelise play. You know, he saw the court in, a, in that 78-67 loss to Xavier. Played one minute. 
Yeah, nice. Which Six is stats. the most surprising thing. Because it wasn't a game where they won by, like, 30. Which is when we've usually seen him. But, like, I don't know if it's an issue with, like, the box score or what. Because, like, why was he in that game? I sincerely hope we never see him on the court ever again at Wintrust Arena. Let me just put that out there for the record. Dave Lato, if you're listening, I'd rather see Mick Sullivan out there than you put Pantelis out there. I don't. I do not care. Just why? Why is he there? Why? Uh, let the record show. Uh, Pantelis, recurring guest, friend of the program, Kansas Bay. So I, I have no comment on this. Uh, he, he checked in with eight thirty-two left in the second half, and checked out with seven twenty left. He played more than DJ Williams did. Get off the court, dude. Wait, what? Wait, yeah, did they not dude. play DJ Williams? DJ Williams played like a minute oh and gosh. one second. Yeah, he checked in seven twenty, got out at six nineteen. And Pantelis played more than DJ Williams. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> what is Leto doing? That his rotations are just <laughs> insane. We were talking about his rotation during the game while Gina and Jake were calling the game. Um, how 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 much it fluctuates and, and how, just mm-hmm. how like how inconsistent Leto is with this rotation. Either he plays eleven guys or he plays seven. He plays all of them or he plays like five or six. Just like you, such a big component of basketball, I think is. Uh, chemistry and letting these guys develop and trust each other and when you have such different drastic lineup changes you're not going to build that and yeah. I understand that you're missing guys sometimes and sometimes like Paul Reed probably doesn't have the best games and that's another thing I liked about this game is that they didn't have to rely on Paul Reed to win the game Romeo mm-hmm. Weems kind of came up big shot what three for five out of, uh, from behind the arc yeah he looked good and, and that's probably a huge confidence builder for him <laughs> moving down the stretch so um Lado needs five. to even better yeah Lado really needs to kind of Set set some sort of tone yeah. with these guys, and I don't know. Go ahead. And you know what I've liked about Weems lately is that earlier in the year, when he would drive, he would just settle and take like a pull up jumper or a floater. But now he's actually using his height and his length to like get all the way to the rim, mm-hmm. which is amazing to see. Because I hated when he would like pull up and take like an inefficient mid range shot when he's got the size and the skill to get all the way to the rim. And I think that's great because then that opens up that three-point shot for him, too. If he can start getting a couple of easy layups and then start getting his three-point shots to fall, he can, I mean, like, if he's if he's here next year, too, I feel like you could see so much growth from Romeo Weems because he's got that potential. That's got to be the focus, you know, make sure Romeo develops and, you know, make like Rudy was saying, you know, the guys who maybe are on the fence about staying or leaving – you know, you got to do everything you can to make sure Romeo's comfortable and that he's ready to come back next year, you know, and get off to a faster start than he did uh, this year. Another thing is, is Lato, if he wants his team to find success next season, if Lato even sticks around, um, he needs to set the tone early. You can't have players, you have to discipline your players and kind of have some sort of control over your locker room. You cannot have guys complaining on social media. You have to have some sort of control over what, comes in and what comes out because that's such a thank goodness we're not like a Villanova or we're not like a a Duke where like we're so under the spotlight because it say imagine like Grayson Allen two years ago when he was like you know getting ready to go to the NBA tweeting God help me over for coach K like you know how much you know how, how heavily criticized he would get on ESPN or something it's like 
you got to have some sort of control and and discipline and and especially with these young guys that are that feel so entitled to get minutes right out right out of the gate they have to trust that that if they play their game right they will get minutes you know it's 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 just incredible to me how how entitled some of these players feel with regards to playing time when they're just not developed or or I don't want to say good enough because you know they're on the court I'm not but you you understand what I'm getting <laughs> yeah, at yeah yeah totally agree I'm just I'm trying to picture what DePaul being in the national spotlight would look like <laughs> I mean that would be interesting it, it's just weird because it feels like just a few days ago we were at Wintrust for that Texas Tech game and that, that was only like two what that was like three months ago now that was the that was the peak of boss <laughs> a little bit less than three months ago and like the, the, the amount of hype that we both felt after that game it's like yeah, where, where did that go <laughs> but like at, that evaporated so quickly <laughs> Uh, who knows? I mean, what do you think was the turning point of the season where we went from, you know, tournament, fa- not tournament favorites, my God, but tournament, you know, on the bubble tournament team to just the doormat of the Big East? Choking at the end against Seton Hall and Providence in those two conference, mm. first two Big East conference games, and then <laughs> losing to a really pathetic St. John's team, which was that, that, that I felt like that was like, okay, yeah, this is looking really bad. And then coming out after the Butler game, I think when Butts got flu and and Devin Gage missed that Creighton game and DePaul got smacked, I think that was kind of that was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is getting bad. Then losing to St. John's too, and then at that point it was like, Alright, yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anything happening for this team now. Because after that game, they, they went on a really tough stretch. It was it was Marquette it was Seton Hall, then Marquette, then Xavier, Georgetown, Creighton again. It was like there was no recovering from that, that early stumble, not in this Big East. Yeah, but even against Seton Hall and Marquette, they were winning, you know, like they easily could have won. That Marquette game, I mean, I just... <laughs> they 30, were leading 30. 30 <laughs> what, what was it, 39 <laughs> minutes and 50 <laughs> seconds or something? Something like that. I mean, no, I no, just, no, that was Boston College last year, but it was like 39 it minutes, was, 38, yeah, 39 yeah. minutes they were leading. But I mean, how how can that happen? You know, you can two hear the years stress in his voice. Two <laughs> years in a row, you you have a game where you're leading the entire time and you blow it like with a a minute left. I mean, I just can't believe it. It's it's baffling, you know. And and I think that laid out that comes back to coaching, you know. Like Marquette threw a zone at DePaul, and they're like, "What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What is this?" <laughs> but, anyways, <laughs> we've got a good weekend of basketball to look forward to for this DePaul team. Do we? Uh, they get a chance for their only sweep of the year if they beat Butler tomorrow at 5:30 Central in Indianapolis. Rudy, that'll be you and me there. What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Um, I just pray to God we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Pray to God, Lado kind of has some sort of control over his rotation. I do want to see more of Weems. I'm kind of hoping he has a little bit of spark. Um, and I think, like we said in the post game, uh, this this stretch of games is so important for Paul Reed because he's so on the fence of becoming a an NBA player. And you know, these last couple games could be the difference of whether he's a first round pick or a second round pick. And I feel like at this point, it's not a question of if he'll get drafted; it's just where he'll get drafted. Um, so he really has something to prove, especially when it comes to how deep he's going to fall in the draft, especially with how bad he's been playing recently. Yeah, and it's safe to say that this season has 
since like I mean since like the middle end of January, his stock has really taken a hit. He has yeah. not looked anywhere near what he looked like in in during conference play and at the beginning of or in non-conference play and at the beginning of conference play. Yeah, he's got to be like late second round like he was getting first round buzz like late to mid to late first round buzz but it doesn't Mm. seem like that that's happening anymore but at butler on saturday and then versus marquette at home last home game of the year on tuesday let's see what they can do in their last home game i mean it'll be let's see it. it 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 seems like it'll be the end of paul reed here at DePaul. seems like i mean coleman lands is gone too he's a senior uh so it's not going to be like senior day last year when Max Struess scored 36 in the second half against St. John's. Who's who's having the 36? Who's having the 30? Jalen Butts. Anyone want to? Do we want to talk about who's going to have the 36? Uh, Jalen Butts. Nick had thir- Jalen Butts for 36. No, 18 dunks. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I, probably Paul Reed for me. Uh, I can see Coleman Lance just showing out. I could see it, man. When he gets when he gets hot behind the line, three, 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 three. three, three. three. Like uh, what game was it? I think it, yeah, that Texas Tech game. I clutched three that he hit to send yeah. the game to overtime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how much buzz he gets off that. I mean, I mean, you get that kid going, he can shoot. He really can shoot. It's just like, I don't know. He seems so hesitant sometimes. Uh, kind of like Weems, like how we talked about how Weems kind of hesitates and settles for a shot, whereas now because he has more confidence, he kind of knows what he's capable of doing. The potential's there, but for me, I'm going to say uh, Coleman Lance. Okay. Gina? I have no horse in this race. I'm, I have nothing <laughs> to say. <laughs> Sorry, Jafal team. <laughs> Gina has no faith that anyone on this team can get the 36. No. I think we lose by Ooh. 36. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's the most points? <laughs> 14 anyone? and 14. So, uh... uh 14 and 14. Let's see if uh, get another win before the end of the year. 12 and 1 start. Now 14 and 14. What are we? We are 14. DePaul is 14 and 14 after a 12 and 1 start. We started off what? 10 and 12, 1? 12 and 1. Christ have mercy. Mm-hmm. I would just like it to mean on that uh, Kans and I witnessed their first loss of the season, and that was the most depressing. <laughs> Uh, so incredibly yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great game, the Buffalo game. Miss free throw, miss so free throw, miss free, free throw, miss free throw, miss free throw, miss free throw. And there were moments in that where like, I thought they were going to win, and then they just, <laughs> they really did not. That was really sad. You know, how do you think Iowa feels now looking back at their schedule? That's what and I was. Like, I've thought about we that. Lost to DePaul. Yeah, yeah, that's when 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 the bracketologists are in their bunker or whatever, going through <laughs> making the field. They're gonna look at Iowa. They're gonna look at that DePaul loss, and they're gonna be like, "This is a horrible, yeah. horrible loss." Yeah. Bunker. Yeah. No, like Fran, Fran McCaffrey room. has to have like, he he has to like hang that over his players' heads and be like, "Listen." Y'all lost to DePaul, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because I, I, like, at the Buffalo game, um, that one, that was my first men's game I ever called. And so I was like, ooh, baby, they are undefeated right now. This is so fun and exciting. And, of course, the first one that I call, they super lose. What'd you say, Gina? They super lose. She's like, ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. <laughs> 
All right. Well, hopefully that. we have a good week for <laughs> DePaul men's basketball. I'm not optimistic. Haven't been optimistic since the end of January, but mm-hmm. um, nope. let's do the math real quick. Who knows? We're 14 and 14. Start off 12 and 1. Oh, here's a question. Do you think Pontelis will actually shave his head? Yes, yes. please. Please. <laughs> please. All right. Uh, that'll do it be for a man our men's basketball team. Be a man of your we're word. Gonna, we're going to get straight into the women's team right here, but. Um, the real team at DePaul. There's also sadness for the women's team, too. <laughs> they were. 12-12 at the start of last, uh, well, after our, uh, on Friday last week, they destroyed Georgetown, destroyed, annihilated, massacred. Destroyed. Uh, I, I mean, can you think of any other words? Decimated. Um, the st- decimated. <laughs> the starters didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. They were on their way to like 115, 120 points, and then nobody played in the fourth quarter. If you look at like the the quarter by quarter, in the fourth quarter they got outscored twenty four to seven. Georgetown outscored DePaul twenty four to seven, and DePaul won eighty seven to sixty nine. I mean, hey, that's DePaul ball. That's uh, that's what we've been seeing all season. I can't believe though, can't believe that they lost to Villanova. Because, I, I mean, you, you called the Villanova game, right? I said at, that at McGrath? I said that last week uh, on the on this very uh, show, I believe. I was like, yeah, I was at the last game. They beat them by, like, I mean, what was it? It was like, it was like 20-ish. Yeah. I was like, yeah, they'll win no problem. And then, <laughs> oof. Uh-oh. But you know what? It's uh, It was Villanova's coach's last home game. so Senior day, too. There's, you know, there was some, uh, some bad magic in the air. And... Yo, we need to put a spotlight on Maddie Segrist. She is nasty. She's averaging like 20 and 10. Uh, and she played the entire game. Scored 29 points, had 13 rebounds. And I was watching the second half because it was tied at like 30, what, at 33 after halftime. And then it just it just fell apart. It fell apart for DePaul. Yeah, and or no, it was thirty-three to thirty. Excuse me, and th- that's a season low for DePaul in the first half. They scored nineteen in the first quarter, and then eleven in the second quarter. And then um, Ankin for Villanova had a triple double. So you know nothing. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I think for DePaul in that game, at least as far as Segrist and Ankin just balling out. But it also sets up a nice revenge aspect, too, because also, like, I, I don't think any team bounces back from a loss better than this women's team. I mean, last time we see them lo- lose, where Kelly Campbell kind of messed up at the end of that game, mm-hmm. she came on the next game and had a triple-double. Uh, so I feel a little bad for Marquette on Sunday, because DePaul's going to... Another team, they they're They're going to be... They're going to come out with a vengeance. Gina, what are you looking forward to in that game? For Sunday? Yeah, because it's going to be you and me in Marquette mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Al McGuire Beautiful Arena. Beautiful. Beautiful Arena. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just excited because every... I don't know. It's, it's interesting that I've called a handful of men's and more women's, and I just get so excited to call them women's because it's such good basketball. Uh, even when they lose, it's so good. It's still good basketball. Um, and like, 
I could say like I'm excited for so and so, but like I'm gonna be real vague and just say I'm excited for the game and and cop out because I they're just so fun and I know that even like even with the games where they lose and and like Campbell makes a mistake or something like that, it's such a like it's always like a team loss I which or a team win, um, which I think just shows how good of a program this is for DePaul. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just real excited to call a good game. <laughs> yeah, and and this this Villanova game, it's never gonna happen again. Not a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they shot twenty nine point seven percent from the floor. They made two of twenty four threes, eight point three percent from the three point line yeah. for a team and that is known for their passing and their three point shooting. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. That'll never happen again. It'll never happen again. I expect them to just completely go off <laughs> but the bad thing is now they're 16 and 15 in the polls yeah so now you go from a third seed a three seed in the tournament mm-hmm. to hey you're looking at a fourth seed now mm-hmm. and if that if that because i feel like people will the the committee at least will be like all right big east is a little weak this year but like a win on sunday and then winning their three games that they're going to play in the big east tournament mm-hmm that probably puts them back up again, I would hope. Um, but, like, they can't afford another slip-up. Mm-hmm. With four losses right now, they still, I mean, it's still, they still control their own destiny, I think. Yeah, and I think what is unique about this team is that when they lose, I think everyone kind of expects for them to ball out in the next one. When the men's team loses a game and then going into the next one, I think everyone's like, all right, well... I think they're gonna lose this one. Whereas when the women lose, it's like such a shock, and everyone has such high expectations for them, and they are capable of um, like living up to that and making up for their losses. I mean, what I, based on what has been seen, uh, I think I speak for myself, but I think I could also kind of like you guys have probably also seen this. Doug Bruno is so good at controlling the the mood in that locker room. If they lose or if they're slipping up, he seems to call timeout at the right place. He knows how good his team is. So he lets them play to their systems, and that's why they find success. There is no one player that I can look at on that team that I can say, they're the reason why they're winning games. It's a collective team game. Mm-hmm. And to win... Uh, tournaments to win conferences you need to win as a team there's a lot of individual talent and I hate to you know bring it back to the men's team but they're such a good example of two drastically different uh, run teams there's no structure mm-hmm. and there are no weaknesses on the women's team right like there's no individual player who's a weakness and he treats everyone equal his star players he I don't care if you're a star player you're gonna get the same treatment as whatever so and so and if you're playing good you're gonna get minutes Mm-hmm. So there's nothing handed over, and he has such a good relationship with the girls. He, uh, and he mean being Doug Bruno, he definitely respects them. They respect him. He's so pedigreed and and so respectful to everyone that he comes in contact with. The 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 root of having a successful team is having a good coach, and that's exactly what Doug Bruno is. He's literally a saint. Love you. <laughs> Same. Love Same. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm. I'm really excited for this, especially. And you said like you know, there's never like it's never like one player doing everything. I think last year, you could say like 
since when a lot of players were struggling, like Campbell didn't have a great shooting year, Gray's, Millinder, none of them were having good shooting years. It was Stonewall balling out and yeah. saving them every few games. But this year, it's like everybody has pitched. And like it hasn't been Stonewall leading them in scoring every single night. We've right. seen Morris go off for 30. We've seen Lexi Held go off and score, just score and score and score. But uh, this year, it's been it's just nice to see everybody getting in on it. And one more game in the right – regular season if you want to say uh then big east tournament and then hopefully they can get home games for the ncaa tournament if they stay in this third fourth seed area right now this is according to charlie cream cram <laughs> he's a bracketologist he has depaul as a four seed in chicago but f- folks bear with me let's do a little forecasting here he has he uh, has DePaul as a four seed playing Stony Brook. Who are they? Who knows? <laughs> so we'll put DePaul ahead. The five seed, Missouri State, who upset them last year in the first round. If they win those two games, potential Sweet 16 matchup. You know who the number one seed in uh, their region, according Which to Which region this are guy? they in? Portland. Oh, they're going to play Oregon? Oh, oh, Could you imagine boy. that? Good <laughs> lord! I, I want that. Kelly Campbell on Sabrina Ionescu. Oh, dude, shut matchup. Shut her down. The matchup would be so good. But bet the yo, house that on is DePaul. A, that is a really tough bracket to be in. It I'm is. really hoping they get switched over to Indiana, because Fort Wayne is doable. But like, you don't want to play Oregon. You don't want to play Oregon. I want. They, they have way too much momentum. <laughs> I want, I want them. <laughs> they have way too much momentum. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, thank you, Cans, for the for the forecast. I'm in my bunker over here, bracketology. <laughs> 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 All right, <laughs> as we wrap up here, it's been a, a very serious episode, and then a lot more laughing than we usually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, hats off! I'm gonna take off my proverbial hat to Nick Cans for making <laughs> us laugh. Thanks, Cans. Thank you, Cans. You're welcome. <laughs> You've been listening to the Talking Possessed podcast on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Thank you so much for listening.